Hey, gold friends, it's me, Adrian, or Aiden. Either way, I am still your host, and you are still listening to Susto, the podcast of Ookie Spooky Scary Stories. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for showing up again. Thank you for tuning in again. And if this is your first time listening to Susto, welcome. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Susto fam. You're one of my ghoul friends now. I hope you enjoy the show. You may have seen, uh, I share it again on the social medias. I was awarded by Racket and Stir. They held a kind of like a contest where they had podcasts uh, nominate themselves or submit themselves to win an assortment of different mini grants, I guess you could call them. And I was selected as one of their recipients. So I'm extremely grateful to everyone who sent in words of encouragement and a super thankful to Racket and Stir. And yeah, it's just been a very exciting last couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm not going to take too much more of your time. I'm simply just going to say thank you for the 500th time and it won't be the last. And we will go ahead and get into today's episode, which is the story of the Pistaco. In Inca mythology, there is a deity, Viracocha, whose name can be translated as Sea of Fat. He is the creator of the earth and all its creatures, the maker of the sky and the sea and all the other gods. Among the Quechua people, he must be honored. In the Andean world, indeed, blood and fat are among the essential offerings to the sacred powers the sacrifice of slaughtered animals and the offerings of their blood constitute the opening sequence of all religious ceremonies, writes French historian Nathan Wachtel in Gods and Vampires Return to Chipaya. Animal fat, generally llama fat, is one of the basic ingredients in the composition of ritual tables. To the Quechua, fat is sacred and has also served medicinal purposes for centuries. It wasn't just in the Andes that fat had such uses. Far to the north, before they reached Inca lands, conquistadors used the fat of fallen Maya to dress their own wounds, as reported by one of those conquerors, Bernal Diaz del Castillo, in The Discovery and Conquest of Mexico, 1517-1521. It is easy to imagine the disgust and fear the surviving Maya must have felt upon seeing such a thing after a military defeat. It is believed similar battles during the later conquest of the Inca Empire inspired the legend of the Pistaco, a fat-sucking monster known across various countries in South America. No stories of the Pistaco exist from before the Spanish conquest. The name Pistaco comes from the Quechuan word piste which means to behead, cut the throat, or cut into slices. While most Quechuan speakers are from Peru, over the years they have migrated into Bolivia, Ecuador, and other nearby mountainous regions, bringing the legend of Pistaco with them. Pistacos are often compared to vampires, but instead of sucking blood, they suck the fat from anyone careless enough to travel alone at night. In the Andes, it's thought that the vitality of the person is in the fat in their body, says John McDowell of Indiana University's Department of Folklore, 
and ethnomusicology. People who are very bony and skinny, it's thought that they're wasting away, and they don't have strong life force. So, the pistaco, they come after this vital life force and deplete it. Over the past 500 years, there have been many descriptions of how a pistaco might appear. It is almost exclusively male, white-skinned, and only comes out at night. Not because he is unable to be in the light, but because his actions are best conducted under the veil of darkness. I think the pistaco expresses a kind of anxiety that the community has about outsiders, McDowell continues. After all, they've been through several hundred years of outsiders coming in and pushing them around, so Lord knows they probably have their reasons to be a little worried about outsiders. And the pistaco, not unlike a conquistador, does not work alone. He is aided and accompanied by humans who help him capture, transport, and slaughter his victims, and then extract their fat. In fact, if there were no helpers of the pistaco, perhaps there would be no tales of the pistaco. The earliest stories come from local men who helped them in their grim task. Spanish priest Cristobal de Molina was the first person known to have been accused of being a pistaco in 1571. The locals of Cusco refused to bring him firewood as they feared being killed for their fat, which they believed the priests used to grease the bells they rang in the day. The 19th century brought tales of rich merchants and miners who were thought to be pistacos. As the legend goes, they used the locals to make soap, medicine, and even grease for the machinery in their factories. With modernity and the economic collapse of the region that came with it, it came to be documentarians, government officials, and doctors who were suspected of these practices. White doctors, for example, would arrive in marginalized communities with nurses who were known as mestizos, that is, local people who were urbanized, spoke fluent Spanish, and may have been of both European and indigenous descent. These doctors would search for children, legend had it, to take their kidneys and eyes. Though their targets were different, the framework was the same. People were powerless to stop the use of their own bodies by someone who is protected by authority. These stories have continued, with rendered human fat, or sometimes other harvested parts, as a constant. Though they have evolved and moved out of the realm of the supernatural and into the real world. In a paper in the journal, Amerindia, written in Quechua and Spanish, Hernán Aguilar of the Latin American Institute of the Free University of Berlin documents modern first-hand accounts of pistacos from their helpers all of whom report that they were offered money to find victims. They described seeing rural people having their throats cut with a sickle-shaped knife before being brought to the pistaco's home and hung upside down by their feet in a room of candles, their rendered fat dripping into bowls below them. While they all expressed horror at what they saw, many couldn't afford to turn the money down. According to Pistaco's Human Fat Murderers, Structural Inequalities, and Resistances in Peru by Ernesto Vázquez del Aguila, the most advanced Pistacos 
are able to take their victim's fat in a far stealthier way. Some pistacos, it is believed, do not kill their victims instantly, but they survive for a short period of time and then die, he writes. These pistacos steal the fat with great mastery using syringes so that their work is unnoticeable. Their victims awaken without any symptoms or pain, but they get sick, become gradually weaker, and after a few days, they die without knowing the causes of their deaths. In one of the more recent visible documented stories of the Pistaco, in 2009, a group of men captured dozens of locals in the highland jungle region of Huanuco, more than 160 miles from the Peruvian capital of Lima. They used candles to render their fat, which was collected in old soda bottles and sold for use in rituals. This practice continued for years before three of them were captured and confessed. They led authorities to the remains of at least 60 adults. The story went national, then global. Many of those from the mountains made it clear they believed the men to be pistacos. This should open the eyes of those Peruvians who live in the cities and ignore what happens in the provinces, wrote one commenter on a news article about the killings. This case is just one of thousands that demonstrates that these stories are real, that they are not rumors. What connects conquistadors, missionaries, well-meaning doctors, and cold-blooded killers is what makes the Pistaco legends most frightening of all. They are not supernatural, but human. Okay, so I I do want to start off right away and clarify that apparently like the so the last part of that story where we're talking about the group of men that had captured dozens of locals and they took the authorities to the remains and so that came out in the news article and that article was actually tagged or linked into this story and also the story that i read it's from atlas obscura and again uh, all of these links are going to be in the susto google doc so if you're a patron check that out patreon.com slash susto podcast but yeah that link i i went to it earlier because i wanted to read it this link kind of corroborates it it's for it's from elmundo.es apparently in a bunch of the other links that i was using to research this this uh it turned out that this group of men that were kidnapping people it's essentially it's human trafficking to use their bodies in like a different way i don't know apparently this it wasn't real it was a hoax and one of the there was one comment on this uh site the edmundo site the yeah this person said that case is an urban legend there was news about it lately and in the end it turned out to be a political smoke screen like i said the other articles that i looked into it did seem like they they all alluded to to the fact that that it, this didn't actually that didn't actually happen that group of men. What I will say though is this is another one of those stories that I think is more rooted in reality than some people might think. There's this not even a, a response, but it's like a, I guess it was a way for the indigenous communities to I guess warn each other of these colonizers that were coming into their communities, conquering the land, trying to convert them, you know, to their religion and their practices, trying to bring them quote unquote civilization. Like, you know, it's it's the typical 
colonization starter pack, you know, and in the process, I'm like, people are killed, murdered, you know, as was said in, in the link that I read in Alice Obscura, Spaniards were using conquered Mayans, they were using their fat to like heal wounds which was again that was a practice that was practiced i think into like the early 19th century and then it it stopped because i people realized that that didn't really work but they had other uses for the fat yeah it's it's like you have to think like if you're in a community that's being targeted by this one group it's natural i think to come up with some sort of story to warn other people it's like a dog whistle you need to watch out for these kinds of people and the pistaco it's this kind of vampire-y creature but it's very clearly described as a white person and they say that they're usually hairy and bearded and i think like a lot of the time when we see depictions of conquistadores they're in like they're like knight outfits their their armor there you go they have like you know beards and stuff other descriptions of them from this one website that i'm looking at it says the pistacos themselves are described as wearing boots a hat leather jackets that they may be in horseback and then as you know times have progressed they're saying also that they may be in a car so they may look like a priest they might look like a doctor they might have a long knife but that you know at the end of the at the end of the day that they attack the pistacos attack solitary travelers and they dismember them for cannibalistic purposes for what's the word you utilitarian purposes i guess like they're using the fat for machinery as well people who commit these kinds of acts colonizers like they were straight up monsters you know and it's 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 something that we see in pretty much every first contact of different indigenous communities especially in like history i will say this colonization is still happening. There are still people who try to go to different places, to different lands, to make contact with indigenous communities, to convert them to believing whatever this missionary believes. Sometimes it it, it ends up in missionaries being killed. Like, maybe I'll do an episode about that, because those are, there's very well-documented occurrences of missionaries going you know and trying to do this and then ending up dead because they wanted to make first contact and convert these people and it just didn't work out the way they thought it would but in other cases like with the spaniards we know that spaniards were very successful in colonizing a bunch of different places and doing it in a very uh, horrific way and so yeah it's it's like yeah it makes sense that these communities created this monster out of out of this person even though it's like it's not a long stretch it's like the pistaco is just it seems like pistaco is more a type of person than like like oh it's this cryptid monster although of course as these stories get retold and retold it's like it's like the telephone game and we see it with a a lot of these stories is that the story gets told and then it and it starts off as a person but it ends up being this horrible creature blood-sucking vampire whatever i'm going to read through some other links i'm going to go through this one it says uh, another possible theory in regions where a pistaco attack is a wasting illness is that pistacoism explains death from diseases like typhoid much as vampirism explained death from tuberculosis in 19th century new england the connection to gringos could come historically from diseases such as smallpox which the spanish introduced on arriving in south america so again it could be this idea of in in other stories when people are attacked by vampires you know they end up dying because of the attack and so this is just like a different version of that uh with a different name because again these colonizers come out they came over to these lands and then they brought disease with them that 
these indigenous or native people that were never exposed to before. And then after being exposed, of course, they they have no immunity to it, so they end up dying. And this continues, whatever its origins, the legend persists. In 1987, the rumor swept through Peru's Ayacucho region that the president had dispatched 5,000 pistacos to the region to pay off Peru's foreign debt with human fat. In 2009, the director of Peru's criminal investigations unit, General Eusebio Felix Murga, claimed that a pistaco gang had murdered at least 60 victims in Huanuco. This is the story that I was talking about. It says, uh, according to Murga, the gang sold the fat at $15,000 per liter through intermediaries to European cosmetic companies. That is a very interesting, uh, what's it called? Conspiracy theory. This claim was quickly debunked. For one thing, the authorities in Huanuco knew nothing about the supposed rash of murders, but that a prominent government official would even float such a claim speaks to the currency of the belief, at least in some regions. Okay, so just a recap of that. There is this rumor that the president had dispatched 5,000 pistacos to essentially human traffic for for human fat. And in 2009, which is a long time after, but, you know, I'm sure the story just kept going strong, the director of Peru's criminal investigations unit, all of Peru, criminal investigations unit director, even, like, fell for it. Thankfully, it was debunked, but someone at that high of an official real-world authority fell for these rumors and these stories. But again, I think it's very closely based in reality because we mentioned about colonization happening. It, it's this story, as many of these, they come from these traumatic events. There's a lot, we talk about trauma a lot on this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need to have like a therapist or someone on this show that can help me break that down. I think that'd be really interesting. This is what I was saying earlier, that Bishtaku is, it's more of like a type of a person than a creature. It's based on like what you do as a person. Someone could consider me a Bishtaku based on what I do. And I think this will clear it up. This, this, Part says, because pistacos are mostly gringo or mestizo, some scholars believe the pistaco personifies the exploitation of indigenous Andeans by outside, quote-unquote, white forces, the wealthy foreigners, even their own government. However, not all accused pistacos are white, even indigenous Andeans, whose behavior, personality, or habits fall too far from the norm can be suspect. I will say, I don't know if it's, I mean, obviously, this is, this researching this episode is the first time introduced to this idea from reading what I've read again it's not probably not enough I feel like it's not that this person if it's an indigenous person an indigenous Andean is being accused of being a pistaco I don't know that it's that they're falling too far from the norm or it's that they're falling too far from the norm in regards to like how they protect their community. You know, it's like a, I feel like the pistaco, to like relate it to something I know, it's close to like La Malinche. Initially or originally, it's that it's a colonizer, a white colonizer. But if you're, it, even if even if you're also part of this indigenous community and you sell them out, then that could make you a pistaco. This continues, Nathan Wachtel recorded such an example in his book, Gods and Vampires. Hence, an alternative but related theory is that pistacos are not so much quote-unquote white as outsiders who stray from the norms of the rural community no matter their ethnicity so 
There you go. Basically, if you're coming to exploit this community, if you're coming to hurt them, especially in like a systemic way, then you would be or you're you're contributing to that systemic hurt against them, then you would be considered a pistaco. Last, the link that I have here, it's an entry. It's a Wikipedia entry. It says, according to folklore, a pistaco is an evil monster-like man, often a stranger and often a white man who seeks out unsuspecting, the word they use here is Indians, to kill them and abuse them in many ways. The legend dates back to the Spanish conquest of South America. Primarily, his method of killing is stealing his victim's body fat for various cannibalistic purposes or cutting them up and selling their flesh as fried chicharrones. Well, okay. It says, Pistaco derives from the local, like we said earlier, the the Quechua word piste, which means to behead, cutthroat, slice. The preoccupation with body fat has a long tradition in the Andes region. Pre-Hispanic natives prized fat so much that a deity existed for it. It is also natural for the peasant rural poor to view fleshiness and excess body fat as the very sign of life, good health, strength, and beauty. Many illnesses are thought to have their roots in the loss of body fats, and a skeletal thinness is abhorred. With this, the conquistadores' practice of treating their wounds with their enemies' corpse fats horrified the Indians. Spaniards are also said to have killed Indians and boiled their corpses to produce fat to grease their metal muskets and cannons, which rusted quickly in the humid Amazon. Andean aboriginals feared Spanish missionaries as pistacos, believing the missionaries were killing people for fat, thereafter oiling church bells to make them especially sonorous. In modern times, similar beliefs held that sugar mill machinery needed human fat as a grease, or that jet aircraft engines could not start without a bit of human fat. This, so it's saying also that this fear was so deep that these communities, out of fear, they would reject assistance or aid from U.S. food and pe- the U.S. food and peace program because they were like, no, well, these people are just trying to fatten us up so that then they can like harvest us basically. And it sucks because I, there's this is, I almost don't want to talk about it because <laughs> I don't want to feed into it. But this is reminding me of there was a conspiracy theory that came out in the last few years about how basically Hillary Clinton and Democrats were harvesting children. There were child trafficking so that they could take the blood and the white blood cells of the children and drink it. I forget, there was like a specific name for the blood that they were using, that they can drink it and it would provide them with health and life and this and that. And that is, that theory, that it's a conspiracy theory is completely based in like fiction. Also, there's a really good video they usually do comedy. I don't. Uh, Brittany Broski and her cousin Sarah Shower. Brittany Broski is kombucha girl. She went viral a couple years ago. Anyway, they have a podcast and they did one about conspiracy theories. And they did a really good job explaining how conspiracy theories a lot of the time are rooted in white supremacy and anti-Semitism. I would highly suggest that you all check out that video, if not just for that section, because they. I think they did a great job bringing that down. The reason I'm like I I want to like bring it up, but I don't want to necessarily compare it to this is because yes these communities it seemed like that is like a paranoid behavior that they're refusing assistance because they're like no you just want to fatten us up so you can harvest us except it's rooted i again just from the little bit that i did and i could be spreading this information so i encourage you all never take anything what i say as the absolute truth please 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 do your own research tell me if i'm wrong i would please actually do that but from what i've read 
their paranoia, their fear is based in something that they saw actually happen or that they knew to happen to other communities. And based on some of the classes that I took in getting my degree, I learned about the horrors of colonization, especially with like the uh, the Aztec nations and how priests, actual priests, men who claim to be servants of God were treating Aztecs and the the lengths that they went through to beat these people into submission and conversion to the Christian religion and to Catholicism. Just putting that out there. There's a very documented history for this fear of of colonizers versus people saying that Hillary Clinton is drinking blood. (laughs) I feel like this is a very dense subject, but that's what makes it so interesting. Okay, cool friends. Thank you so, so much as always for listening. Super appreciate it. One more time, if you are not following the socials, make sure that you do that. That's at Susta Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for any and all updates on the show. If you want to support the show, you can do so by leaving a review or a rating wherever you're listening. If you want to share your own story, video, recording photo whatever it is and i'll share it on the show and on the socials you can do that by dming on the socials in a review or sending an email to sustopodcast at gmail.com if you want to go the extra mile and support me you can do so by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash sustopodcast check it out for all the perks and the benefits speaking of i do want to do my monthly shout out to all of my patrons for the month of april Huge, huge thank you to Cami, Julie, Lori, Karen, Julianne, Amanda, Angela and Co., Sam, Josette, Victoria, Dee, Eva, Mario, April, Spooky Lou, Rachel, Sadie, and Liza. Huge shout out, and don't talk to strangers. Bye. <laughs>